Before I begin in prayer, um, uh, I do want to let the congregation and those online know that we'll be doing it a little bit differently, that um, the reading of the verses, and we're going to go through a lot of text, uh, won't be on the production or won't be on the slides that you see online. Uh, so uh, I do recommend opening up your Bible app, or there is the hard copy, old school Bibles, just outside the sanctuary. So if you want to grab that now, um, I'll give you time to leave and then come back. So, so as we go through this series on First Thessalonians, um, it's something that's been pressed uh, on my heart to, uh, as Alan said, to always open God's word, because I really do believe that it's his word that will change us. And it's us seeing other people be changed that also changes us. And so um, as Alan was praying for us to be filled so that we can pour into others, I do hope that the word today uh, will change you. So now that everyone's gotten their Bible, let me open in prayer to God, and then we'll open in chapter 1 in 1 Thessalonians. Lord, I pray that as we read your word today, that your Holy Spirit will be present and felt among your people here at Grace Community Church. May our ears be open to hear your word, and may your voice sound forth. May your Holy Spirit use your word to change our hearts with your truth. In Jesus' name I pray, amen. So if you can open up to 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, I'll read through it once, and then I'll give some background, and then we'll dive into the major points. So 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, the first letter of Paul to the Thessalonians. Paul Silvanus and Timothy, to the church of the Thessalonians and God the Father and the Lord Jesus Christ, grace to you and peace. We give thanks to God always for all of you, constantly uh, mentioning you in our prayers, remembering before our God and Father your work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and in the Holy Spirit and with full conviction. You know what kind of men we proved to be among you for your sake. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord. For you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit so that you became an example to all the believers in Macedonia and, and Achaia. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in, Mas, uh, uh, sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. As background, we know as we follow Paul going from Philippi to Thessalonica, um, that in the book of Acts, Paul only spends three weeks, three Sabbath days in this, in this church 
and he's preaching and explaining that through the scriptures, it's necessary for the Christ to suffer and to raise from the dead. He told those present, this Jesus whom I proclaim to you is Christ. Now imagine you sitting there hearing Paul tell you this. How would you have responded? As we look to the text and we see the proclamation of Christ being there, on one hand you have people who believed and rejoiced, and God increased that faith. And on the other hand, you had people, the majority of the Jews present, become angry. Their hearts hardened, and they actually forced Paul and Silas to just leave. And as we know, we fast forward through the book of Acts. In Corinth, Paul is there for one and a half years. And he was only in Thessalonica for three weeks. And so we hear him speak and write to this young church. There's a couple reasons why I highlight the time in Corinth versus Thessalonica. First, he, it, it's believed that he was in Corinth when he actually wrote to them. And second, he wanted to invest in these new sets of believers. He wanted to build their faith with words of encouragement and grow it because they were facing adversity. They were facing death threats. They were, they were called traitors. They were called lawbreakers. And if you think about that, is that really fair that God would test them so soon as new believers? And so actually Paul opens up by saying, Thanks to God and remembering their work of faith and labor of love and steadfastness of hope in our Lord Jesus Christ. And so these are the themes uh, as we walk through these, this five-part series uh, that we'll carry through. The emphasis on work of faith, labor of love, and steadfastness of hope in Jesus Christ. This first chapter that we just read together will focus on encouraging their faith in God. So let me reread uh, 1 Thessalonians, verse 4 through 5. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power, in the Holy Spirit, and full of conviction. You know what kind of men we prove to be among you for your sake. And so this is the first major point that I want to emphasize, that God loves you. God has chosen you. And so why is it that Paul would want to start with this foundational truth? Because we need it. We need to have the foundation to build off of. And so if you recall the Jews, the devout Greeks, the leading women who believed in Christ, imagine facing adversity right there, facing a mob who drags you out of your house, accuses you of breaking the law, and it's Caesar at the time who's king. These men and women who just believe in Christ are now rebels in the eyes of their neighbors. And Paul was telling them, encouraging them, and telling us, church, that he has chosen you. 
that he won't abandon you as these men and women were abandoned by their neighbors. They were cast out. They were accused just for believing in Christ. God has chosen you, and by the power of the Holy Spirit, you are his forever, no matter what. Let me reread it again, because I really do believe the word just changes us. For we know, brothers, loved by God, that he has chosen you, because our gospel came to you not only in word, but also in power and the Holy Spirit with full of conviction. Do you remember the beginning of your new life in Christ? In our society, there's this belief that you have one life to live. But what happens in the moment that you give your life to Christ, asking him to save you and to believe in him? I would argue, friends, that that is when you're entering a new life in Christ God and God the Father. Each believer here has their own testimony of the exact moment that you were called, that you were saved. And you have to remember that he chose us, he predestined us at the beginning. For me, my own testimony, I was 28 years old, and for three years, I was trying to earn my way into heaven, into God's love, by my own efforts. And without an answer of how to enter the kingdom of God, I was asking, where's the store? Where do I knock? How do I get in? So I finally asked one of my dear pastor friends, Brian Russell, how is it that I become a believer? How is it that I can follow Christ? He told me of his testimony in South Africa. He simply told me that he asked God to save him. And of course, I said, no, it can't, it can't be that straightforward. I have to be able to you know, read the whole Bible. I have to you know, attend community group. I have to do all these things before I'm worthy. And he said, no, you just, you just need to ask. You need to not do it by your own efforts. And so taking the leap of faith, the next morning, um, I was living in D.C. at the time, and I, I didn't want to, you know, bow. I didn't want to be on my knees and pray about it. I was just getting ready for work. I actually remember the exact date and time. And, um, and I just said, okay, I'm not, I don't want anything to be, you know, different, so I'll just pray. And I just prayed that simple prayer um, for God to save me. And by his mercy, he did. And so, brothers and sisters, for those that follow Christ, he has saved you. He has saved you. He loves you, and he's chosen you. And he won't abandon you to the hardships that we face. He won't abandon you to the worldly riches that also can ensnare us. And so when we are baptized in water, our first breath after being submerged underwater, that symbolizes a new life in Christ. And so you don't have just one life to live. When you become a believer, you are in a new life and you know God and know Christ. As Jesus said in John 3, verse 5, and you don't have to turn there, 
Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of the water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Paul is writing to the Thessalonians to encourage their faith that God loves you, that he has chosen you, that you are his beloved. When we receive the Holy Spirit, we are anointed. We are seen as worthy because Jesus has united us in his death as well as his resurrection. Now that we are in the kingdom of God, you ask yourself, how is your life marked? And so let's look back at how the new believers in Thessalonica were tested. So let's read verse 6. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. Let's read that again. And you became imitators of us and of the Lord, for you received the word in much affliction with the joy of the Holy Spirit. How is it that as you're being tested with real affliction, that there is joy? That usually doesn't go hand in hand. It's not joyful to face trials. It's not joyful to be accused, attacked. And yet he's saying it could be both here. And I want to emphasize that the cost was high for these new believers, that it wasn't um, something that was casual to them. It did cost them dearly. They were dragged before city authorities. And if you can imagine that our government here in the United States would drag us out of this church because we believed in Christ, that is a high price to pay. And yet, Paul is writing them from Corinth, encouraging them, because he only spent three weeks there with them. He wanted to acknowledge the difficulty of their situation, but also emphasizing that you receive God, you're with God in this time of affliction. And yet, there's joy there because of the Holy Spirit. And so, if you think about this, why is it that you face adversity? And God could have multiple reasons for it. It could be for our individual benefit that we are being purified through this trial. It can be also for the benefit of his kingdom. And I would say that it's both. It's usually both. A trial that you're going through right now can actually help another brother or sister as they face that trial because you're there to encourage them because you've been through it. You've seen God walk with you, and now you're called to walk alongside them. So for my family, Alicia and Caleb and Tyler, we faced a trial a couple years ago, and a lot of the brothers and sisters here surrounded us and loved us because uh, in, in July 2019, uh, we lost our son Titus in a surgery that was meant to save his life. Um, my wife was pregnant at the time at 26 weeks, and, uh, and we grieved for a whole year, and we still continue to grieve, and even though we've been blessed with, with our, our, our son Jared. 
Um, we didn't understand why. There was anger. There was sadness. There's a lot of crying. And in that moment, I heard God the clearest in that time of, of deep grief. Leading up to that period two years ago, I was spiritually dry for five years. And after Titus went to heaven, uh, God started to ask me to read his word daily with my wife every night. And so we, we would read through it, we would pray through scripture. And it was in praying that the Holy Spirit met us and revealed God's truth and pointed our hearts to heaven where we know our hope and our son Titus live today. So when we face trials, sometimes we believe we can run away. We believe we can distract ourselves. We believe that we can ignore that problem. And for the church in Thessalonica, they were attacked publicly. And so what is it that God is telling us about these trials? What is it that he is saying we should do? Should we rely on our own strength and effort and push through it? Or we should rely on God's strength? So turn with me to Psalm 1. So we're kind of leaving 1 Thessalonians for a little bit. I'm going to read chapter 1 in Psalm 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and its leaf does not wither. In all he does, he prospers. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. So imagine yourself as a tree planted by streams of water. As a tree, are you able to move yourself as a storm approaches? Are you able to take shelter when the wind is blowing hard or there's rain? The picture that is being painted here is that God's people who delight in God and in his laws are like a tree planted by streams of water. As a tree, God's people yield fruit in season and the leaves do not wither tree is living. Its leaves are green and full of life. The tree is fruitful. And all these things are true only when that tree is drinking the living water. And the living water is the Holy Spirit, the third person of God. So turn with me to John verse 7, or John chapter 7 verse 37 through 39. 
And I'll let you turn there. On the last day of the feast, the great day, Jesus stood up and cried out, quote, If anyone thirsts, let him As the scripture has said, our heart, out of his heart will flow rivers of living water. Now this he said about the Spirit, whom those who believed in him were to receive. For as yet the Spirit has not been given, because Jesus was not yet glorified. So when facing trials and adversity, we may try to run away. We may try to distract ourselves, ignore the problem. But if we are God's people, if we are that tree planted, then we can't run away from the storm. We cannot control the weather that is around us if it is dry like a desert. Believe that we are the tree planted by streams of water and we rely on God's strength and his instruction in all seasons of our life. Then we will find joy in the Holy Spirit, the living water, no matter the season, no matter your trial, no matter what adversity you face. Are you praising God for your blessings? And are you praising God when you face adversity? Remember, church, that God is faithful. He is constant. He is always near the brokenhearted. Before I, want to, I conclude, I want to just recap and summarize what Paul is writing to the Thessalonians. Remember, he's writing to encourage faith, love, and hope. The Thessalonians, God's people, us, church, are like a tree. The trunk of that tree is a strong base, and that's where Paul is beginning to show us his love, God's love to to us and that he's chosen us. The roots of those, the tree, if we are that tree, is soaking up the living water, the Holy Spirit. And that nourishment, that joy and life that the Thessalonians had when they were being attacked is the same joy and life that he gives to us today. So finally, as we are increasing our dependency on God. We are those branches. We are those leaves that are growing towards the radiant sun. Pray that God will increase your faith, not by your own efforts, but by his. And do you feel, are you going to be able to see how God is with you in all those seasons? That when it's cold and bleak out there, that his sun is warm and radiant heat on your cheek. Do you feel that, church? And whether we are new believers or mature ones, turning to God and knowing where our hope lies helps us grow in Christ daily. And so this is the final point, and we're going to turn back to 1 Thessalonians 
We're going to read verse 8 through 10 together. For not only has the word of the Lord sounded forth from you in Macedonia and Achaia, but your faith in God has gone forth everywhere, so that we need not say anything. For they themselves report concerning us the kind of reception we had among you, and how you turned to God from idols to serve the living and true God, and to wait for his Son from heaven, whom he raised from the dead, Jesus, who delivers us from the wrath to come. Turn to God, just as this set of new believers did. Turn to God. The word of the Lord sounded forth like a herald trumpet. I know that we aren't living in a kingdom today, but when you watch those old movies, there's trumpeters, and they're making that sound. And that, friends, is that nobody's denying the work that is happening to the Thessalonians. Everybody can see it. The kingdom of God is here. King Jesus is here. And that's how Paul concludes chapter 1, this encouragement of faith of these new believers. He writes them affirming, I see you. I see what you're facing. I know it's hard. And I know Christ and the Holy Spirit is with you. He's seeing what everyone else saw, that the idols that they were following, that they worshipped, that they turned from that. They turned away from that. They repented. Repenting is changing course. They were on a course over here, and they turned towards God. Their new life was marked by them serving this living, true God that we know today. And Jesus, who came down from heaven to be with us and unite us in his death and resurrection, and now he's seated in heaven next to God the Father. And so we, just like the church in Thessalonica, brothers and sisters, are waiting for God to return, God's Son to return from heaven to deliver us from the wrath to come. And before I pray, I just want to say that I pray that, that the true and living God is encouraging your heart right now. I pray that he is reminding you he loves you, he has chosen you, and I want you to be encouraged and be filled with the joy of the Holy Spirit that at all times, good, bad, hard, that he is there with you and that he will fill you with his love. He will meet you where your needs are. And finally, I just pray that these stories of your faith in those times will spread to all your friends and family around you. Let us pray together. Dear God, um, we love you. You have given us life. And so I thank you, God, for um, sharing your word today. Uh, may your words just sound forth. May people that are seeing us online, may the church that is here in person uh, just feel your presence. And I just pray, God, uh, that as we are trees, um, that we will 
seek you, that we will seek your Holy Spirit in the roots that we have planted, uh, and that as that living water is changing us, that our branches can reach and go towards Christ, and that we will grow as a church, encouraging one another in faith, love, and hope. And all these things I pray in your beautiful name. Amen. Thank you, and have a great Sunday. Have a great community group at noon and on Tuesday evening at the Snaps House. And uh, we'll see you next week. Thank you.